I've been so enjoying preparing and then sharing the series that is going to then flow into the exchanges of the cross because it's part of the preeminence of Christ and what He did for us and how we can be assured of it. In Colossians 1 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul says of Jesus, He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So He is first, preeminent in everything. Maybe you just want to kind of say to yourself or put it in the, the chat, first in everything. And then it poses the question, is Jesus first? And we explored that last week. And this morning, how do we put Jesus first in everything in our lives? And the Apostle Paul magnifies the preeminence of Christ over all things and connects it to the power of His promise of salvation to each and every one of us. Again, early on in the book of Colossians, just before he goes into this incredible anthem, this hymn of praise about the preeminence of Christ, it says of Jesus, He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred it. It literally means He snatched us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear or beloved Son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And Paul is kind of saying that the rescue from the kingdom of darkness is certain. We can count on it. You can bank on it as it were, because Jesus is preeminent. He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the creator and he's worth more than the whole of the creation. So his death and resurrection has enough power to save us all. He's preeminent over everything. So your salvation, when you put your trust in Jesus to save you for time and for eternity, the gift of eternal life that is offered through him, you can be assured that it will happen. But additionally, the apostle Paul connects the preeminence of Christ to your and my lifestyle. So he is first in everything. And again, I want to ask the question, not to produce guilt in us or to go, well, I'm falling short there, but to inspire us. Yes, how do I put Jesus first in everything? Because he loves you. He cares for you. He saved you. He snatched you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. So he can make a massive difference in your life. But for that to happen, we've got to learn how to put him first in the everyday things of life. He needs to be first in our hearts. He needs to be first in our worship, in our families, in our relationships. First in how we manage our time rather than time just managing us. First in our jobs and careers. And for many, that's a challenging thing. Well, how do I put Jesus first? Whatever you can name, Jesus Christ needs to have first place in your life and my life. And I want to urge you, don't make this thing a hierarchy. And I've heard this taught and I think it's helpful to an extent, but it actually doesn't work where you go, well, Jesus is first. Well, I guess my family should be second. And if you're married, just nod and say, yep, that's true. 
uh, church third and then work and then friends and you keep pushing things down the hierarchy. And I don't think that is what actually the Apostle Paul is saying because it'll only lead to frustration and failure. And you come to a point, is this above this and is that above that? And okay, we understand Jesus is first. But notice this, Paul says he's the beginning. So whenever you start about this thing of putting Jesus first, he's the beginning. He's the starting point in everything for your life and mine. The firstborn from the dead. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible here that just puts a little tweak on the statement so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. And really, that's the journey that you and I as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ And if you haven't yet made that decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to give you that opportunity a little bit later. But it's a process of how do I learn to put Jesus first in this situation, in that situation, in this part of my life and that part of my life. So the question is better asked, not about a hierarchy of this first, then that, then that, and then you've got the leftovers down the bottom there. But the statement or the question, because Jesus is first in my life, how do I put him first in my marriage, in my family relationships, in my friendships? How do I put him first in my workplace or in my studies? How do I put him first in my church life, in the gathering of God's people? Not the building, but the people. How do I put him first? Rather than creating a hierarchy, it's how do I put him first in this situation? And I think in that, God begins to lead you and guide you. The preeminence of Christ is not meant to be limited to a single space. Well, it's my Sunday life where I put him first. Paul says it should be seen in everything. And he issues this incredible encouragement and exhortation to us in Colossians 1 verse 10 to 12. That you may put Jesus first, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. In your family, in your work, in your friendships, in the way you connect to the community of faith, church, in your personal decisions that you may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his mighty, his glorious might, that you may have great endurance and patience and give joyful thanks to the Father. It's an exhortation to live a life worthy, to do everything in all aspects of your life, but putting Jesus first that you please God. As a follower of Jesus, I guess the big question, especially in our modern age, is what matters most to me? What matters most to you? Your own personal kudos, reputation, prestige, or is it to give honour and praise and glory to God through your life in everything you do? What comes first? And of course, you and I struggle with that times. There is a part of us that wants to be first in things, that wants recognition, that wants the kudos. And it's good to give encouragement to others and to receive it from others. But at the heart of it, am I actually trying to be first or am I putting Jesus first in the situation? As disciples, we 
as followers of Jesus, we're not called to hide, but to live and outwork Christ's Lordship, His firstness in every aspect of our life. So our influence can be seen and felt. And I'm not talking about becoming a Bible basher. I'm just talking about the way you do life should be different because you put Jesus first. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give you all the glory, all the kudos. No, no, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, our light as followers of Jesus is a borrowed light or a reflected light. It's not our light, it's not our glory. It's the reflection of Christ within us, the hope of glory. It's the reflection of what Jesus is working in your life, in my life, in the everyday choices we make as we seek to put Him first in everything. We've received His light, the light of the world, so we can shine in a world and point towards Him. We glorify God out of love for Him. And when we do that, we actually lay down our rights and our freedoms. And somebody's going, whoa, 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 just slow down here. I'm not talking about God snatching things away from you, but I'm talking about the sweetness of surrender. It says, God, I give you everything. And if I need to lay down my rights, my freedoms in order to glorify you, or to love somebody else into the kingdom, then I'll do it. Paul kind of has this massive debate, and I'm just going to read the verses and kind of leave it for you as a little bit of homework to reread the passage and think through it. But in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23 to 33, I'm not reading all the verses, just highlighting the argument, as it were, that Paul is presenting us with. He acknowledges that in Christ we have total freedom. He says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything because I'm in Christ. But not everything, he says, is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And then he narrows the argument. Don't be concerned with your own good, but with the good of others. And so if the surrender of my rights, my freedoms, benefits somebody else, just as Jesus laid down his life to benefit us. He says, well, that's what you need to do for love's sake in order to give glory to your father. So then he says, whatever you do, and he chooses eating and drinking, the most mundane thing. He says, do it or do all for the glory of God. I don't just do what's best for me. I do what's best for others so that others may be see, saved. So let's talk a little bit. This is not a formula. These are just practical things that I hope are translatable into the everyday that you can even start doing now as you're listening to this, that you can do as you walk out or walk back into your work situation, your study, your family situation. Ways of putting Jesus first is firstly to understand everything is done in His presence. Everything is done in His presence. And so by acknowledging His presence and honouring Him as being with you in all things and at all times is the first step towards putting Him first. 
Now, obviously, there are occasions where amazingly the God of the universe slips our mind. And don't get the guilt over that. But as you go into situations, that workplace, just say, Jesus, I thank you that you are with me in this, that you are present with me now. In Matthew 28 and verse 20, Jesus gives this promise that should reach down through time and into your circumstance, your life right now, where he says, behold, I am with you all the days. I'm reading from the Amplified because I'm trying to emphasize something. And the Amplified Bible just gives you a few more adjectives to describe the power of the words that have been used there. Behold, I am with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, on every occasion, to the very close and consummation of the age. And we should all say, Amen, so be it. Jesus says, I am with you in every situation at all times, whether you feel His presence or not. And as a follower of Jesus, there are times we're in situations we don't feel His presence, but He's still with you. I love what the writer of Hebrews says, and I, again, indulge me. I'm not going to do this all morning, but I'm going to read from the Amplified again, where he gives this promise, and it's obviously tied to the Matthew 28 declaration, but the writer of Hebrews is reminding the followers of Jesus who are facing persecution and difficulty of the presence of the resurrected Christ who will never abandon them and He will not abandon you. For He, God Himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Now, I know that kind of sounds a little bit boring. I will not, I will not. But it's actually showing the power of that declaration in the original Greek. God says, I'm not going to let my grip on you go. I've got you. I'm with you. And yeah, you'll face challenging things in your personal circumstance, in the world around you. But I am with you. I'm not going to. And so we need to step into everyday life with an awareness we live it in His presence. The second thing, in prayer. And again, the minute I say that, someone, oh, I don't pray enough and I don't do an hour a day. Who said you had to? Oh, but just keep talking to Jesus in everyday circumstances and do it every day. Yeah, it's great to have that devotional time where you can pray through some things, but it's not just, well, I've prayed now, I shut God out of the rest of my life. No, it's about every day, through every day, sending up those special prayers. This generation should do it better than anybody else. I'm talking more to the younger people. You SMS each other within seconds of spending two hours with each other. And you back text. That's the relationship with God. It's sending up those SMS requests. Because the Bible says, for there's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. And he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. 
Now you go, what's that got to do with prayer? It's simply saying you don't need to go through anybody to get into the presence of God. You go through Jesus. God made manifest in the flesh who can identify with your weakness and your frailty and humanity and still be the powerful resurrected Savior who can intercede and do things in your life. You've got direct access to God. You've got His number. Text Him. Send up your prayer requests. Because Jesus makes an extraordinary statement that when I read it and put it in these notes, it challenged me and thought, I need to lift my level of faith and my expectation. Jesus said this in John 13 verse 40 in the context of abiding in the vine. And it's this living dynamic relationship where with any living plant, there's a continual flow of life through the sap to to every part of it, but connected to the root system. And that's kind of the picture that Jesus has given us, His life continually flowing through us, that as the branches, we don't have life in itself. But as we dwell in Him, He says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Notice that. It's not about glory to you, but glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So we put Jesus first by being aware that we live in His presence, by being in prayer. And the third thing is in pressure. And this is where I'm probably going to lose a few of you. Go, I'm out of here. I don't like the idea. The Apostle Paul speaking to the elders at Ephesus and he's on his way to Rome. He'll be ultimately executed. And he gathers them at the port of Miletus. And he says, you yourselves know how I lived among you. You know my lifestyle. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me. And you say, You got any good news in that? I do. But what I'm also trying to bring is the reality that just because you said yes to Jesus doesn't mean that you and I won't face challenges. But notice the priority. Paul says, you know my lifestyle. Everything I've done is to serve the Lord. That's the most powerful statement in these verses. And then there's what they call modifiers. And he says, sometimes serving the Lord required me to humble myself in situations I didn't really want to. But because I love Him and want to glorify Him, because I want to be pleasing to Him and put Him first, and because I want to win people to Jesus and set example, I chose humility as the way forward. He says, sometimes there were tears. I was in pain. I dealt with disappointment. I dealt with frustration. I dealt with betrayal. I was in tears. And then there were the trials that happened to me. But he said, in all of those realities of life, my goal was to serve the Lord, to put Jesus first. There's a great story, well, in many in the Bible, but Nebuchadnezzar, and who built, he was all powerful at the time. And you can read this in the book of Daniel, built an enormous gold statue to himself and ordered everyone in his kingdom to bow before it and worship. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego refused. And the king was furious and ordered that a furnace be heated. 
so hot that even those who came to throw these three men into the furnace were consumed by the fire. His rage was that much. And it shows his indifference to life and to people. And he wants to make a point in having these men burnt. And then he looks, they go in fully clothed and bound. They should have been consumed instantly. But he sees them walking around, but they threw three into the furnace. But now there's four walking in the midst of the furnace. And he says, as Daniel 3.25, I saw four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire. They're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. And it's the pre-incarnate Christ in the middle of the furnace, in the middle of the fire. And my point is this connected to the in trials that Paul talks about. The three were not delivered from the fire, but they were delivered in the fire. And there's people here right now listening to this in this auditorium, going through incredibly difficult things. And you haven't been delivered from that thing, but there's the fourth man, Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, who will walk with you in the midst of the fiery trial that you're dealing with. You see, I will be with you is what God promises. The fourth thing, and there's others I could add to it, but I just want to land this. We walk with Him in His presence, in prayer, in pressured situations, but in praise. Hebrews 13, 15, through Jesus Christ, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, that openly professes our names, uh, His name, sorry, that openly professes His name. We offer to God a sacrifice. And sometimes it's challenging to lift your voice and give praise to God because of what you're going through, because of the emotions, because of the struggle. But He says we offer a sacrifice of praise the fruit of our lips, and we openly profess that we are followers of Jesus. And praise takes the focus of me and my problems and turns it to God. Praise changes the atmosphere. Change, praise changes our perspective. Praise calls attention to the glory of God. Praise transforms our circumstances. I love the story in Acts 16 of Paul and Silas who are wrongly arrested and beaten and thrown into prison and they've received a severe beating. And I wonder what you would do. I kind of know what I would do. I, I, I would say, Paul, I went first. I got the brunt of the whip. Don't you winch to me about what you got. You should just see me. And it would be a pity party. Come on, what would you have done? But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And who was listening? Other people were listening. The prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. There's something about praise that draws the presence of God that begins to set you free. And with it, others who are watching, who are listening, and observing your life. We need to make a habit of praising God, even when we don't feel like it. It's one of the reasons I love our corporate worship, because often it can just lift you out of something you're struggling with and just get you back into the presence of God. There's this incredible scene 
in heaven, Revelation 5 and verse 11. And then I heard every creature, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. But you see, all of these things bring us back to Jesus being first. And one of the things he's first in is that he's full of grace and truth. And the sweetest word to anybody who's far from God, whether you've never ever been reconciled to God, you've never established a relationship with Him, or over the years you've drifted, or maybe right now you're just in the midst of it and you've made some bad choices and you're wondering, can I come back? The sweetest word to anybody for whatever reason who's far from God is the word grace. Grace. Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 to 7 says, We praise God for the glorious grace. Can I just rest on that for a moment? The glorious grace that He poured out on us. This glorious grace that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. God is looking at, to pour it out on you. It's poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. And He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He is so rich. It's an expression of His grace. So rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave all our sins. <music> 